So uh, he's, a, he's a great brother in the Lord, and we're so glad that he's here and that he was able to come. And so would y'all give him a, a hand clap and a welcome as he comes this morning. Hey, Tulia, how's everybody doing? Man, I'm so glad to be here. Man, I got a great night's rest last night. If y'all ever want a good, a good night's rest, y'all need to go to uh, their, their place. Oh, my gosh. I think I'm going to stay a couple more days. So if you see this big white guy running around your backyard, that's, that's me. Amen. Well, how many of y'all glad to be in church this morning? You know, church will never fail you. The world will fail you. Uh, people will fail you. You know, the body of Christ, I, I love it. I've been, I've been in it all my life. And one thing I can know is the faithfulness of God. He's been so faithful. Even when I haven't been, he has. And thank God for that. And every one of you in this house could probably say, God has been faithful, hadn't he? Amen. Today, I want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, we, we are in, if, if you could see where we're at on a time scale to the return of Jesus, we are right here. We are very close. I really believe that without, you know, I've heard my grandpa and, you know, that his brother's getting together and talking about the return of Jesus. And it seemed like many, 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 many moons ago. (laughs) You know, time is going to be a long time. And so today my message is really uh, to excite you, to encourage you, to not give up, to stay the course. There's a, God's got a plan for you. And at the end of this journey, we're going to go home. We're going to be with the king. And that's a, our blessed hope. That's why we do what we do. That's why I got up this morning, brushed my teeth, combed my hair, put on some deodorant, ironed my, ironed my clothes because I wanted to come to the house of God because I want to, I, I just, I just love doing this, but also that there's something coming. There's something coming. I want to talk to you about your rewards. Today, it's just simply your rewards. There's a reward now, but there's also be a greater reward in the life to come. Amen. That's our hope. And so today, if you don't leave here charged, I'm sorry. Your wood's wet. Something's wrong. Come to you. I'll pray for you. But we'll, we'll go from there, all right? Uh, you know, not too long ago, we, we all experienced the passing of a a great patriarch, Billy Graham, went on to be home with go to go to glory land, be there with Jesus. And in two thousand, the the city of Charlotte, North Carolina, got together, and they want to honor. They wanted to honor him. Well, he had stopped preaching by that time, and uh, he said, "They said, just come. You won't have to speak." We want you just to come and allow us just to honor you, a son of the city. And he said, all right, I'll come. And so he shows up, and they give him all these accolades. And, and he steps up to the, after all that's done, he steps up to the platform. Really wasn't expected to say much, but he gets up and he begins to tell a story 
about Einstein leaving Harvard. And here Einstein is, is on, he's on this train, and uh, he's heading from Harvard, and the conductor of the train is going down the, uh, uh, going down the, 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 what, what, the aisle, thank you, and, uh, and so he's punching tickets, and he gets to Einstein, and Einstein starts reaching for his ticket. Can't find it. Einstein, you know, the smartest man in the world, can't find his ticket. Looking in his attache case, looking, and, and, and the conductor said, hey, Mr. Einstein, it's okay. I know who you are. Don't worry about it. I'm for sure you bought your ticket. And Einstein says, thank you. And about that time, the conductor gets to the end of the aisle, and he's going to hop to the next car, the next box car, and he looks back, and Einstein is on the ground on his hands and knees looking for his ticket underneath the seat. And at this time, the conductor runs back to Einstein and says, well, Mr. Einstein, it's okay, it's okay. We know who you are. And Einstein looks back at the conductor and says, I know who I am, but I don't know where I'm going. I know who I am, but I don't know where I'm going. And, and as Billy Graham's telling this story, he goes on to say, as I'm standing up here today, my, my grandkids bought me this new suit. And uh, I'm standing in front of you with my new suit. They said that I'm looking a little sluggish in my old age. And so they bought me this new suit. And he said... I'm going to wear this suit twice. Once in front of you, and once when I go into the casket on the day of my death. This is what I'll be buried in. He said, but I'm going to tell you something. I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. I ask you this question today. Do you know where you're going? Huh? Come on, you, I mean, it's either hallelujah, huh, uh, I don't know, let me get this, yeah, it's a big yeah, or it's uh, come see me after service, we're going to help you get there, yeah, all right, today we're talking, we're going to talk, I'm going to talk to you about reaping your reward, reaping your reward. Reaping your reward. The end result of our faith is what is waiting for us at the end of this life. Amen. The end result of, of, our, of our faith is what's waiting for you and I at the end of this life. Because as Christians, we not only know who we are, but based on God's word and his promises, we also know where we're going. While the Bible has quite a bit to say about the rewards we receive from God while still on this earth, we want to concentrate, we want to make our focus and our aim uh, about the kingdom of heaven and, and the rewards waiting for us when we get there. How many of you know it's going to be a glorious day? Amen. It's, going to, it's our hope, y'all. This is why we do what we do. Hallelujah. 
Now, the first crown I want to talk to you about, we're going to talk about our crowns today. I, I know many of you, you think your crown's enough, but some of us are going to be carrying around Pastor Rusty's crown. Okay, Pastor, where do you want to go? I'm just kidding. All right, your first crown, the crown of righteousness. When you get to heaven and when, when you get welcomed in, welcome home, you're going to receive the first crown. And the first crown is called the crown of righteousness. In Romans chapter 4, verse 5, it says, However, to the man who does not work but trust God, who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. His faith is credited as righteousness. You see, when we talk about righteousness, we're talking about standing before God without any sin. Come on, somebody. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, when Jesus sees you, he sees you through his blood. Amen? He don't see you through your, your blood. He don't see you through your past mistakes. He doesn't see you with your heart of regret. No, he sees you through the blood of Jesus. And as he sees you through the blood of Jesus, you stand before the king righteous, in right standing, not in a place of, I don't know if you'll ever make it. No, when you ask Jesus to come live in your heart, you ask him to come occupy this place called your vessel. Let me tell you what happened. Now he takes you from unrighteousness to righteousness. And you are in right standing with God. You see, when God looks at you, he sees a person who has the righteousness of his own, of his own son dwelling upon the inside of you. You stand before God pure, undefiled, because you have trusted in his son and in his savior. This, is, this didn't happen because you did enough good things. Come on, somebody. This didn't happen because you, you were the, you know, all-American football player, basketball player, whatever, all-American, you know, hostess, whatever it may be. It doesn't happen because you did enough good things. No, it happened because you somehow, uh, you, you somehow come to a place at the end of yourself where you said, less of me and more of him. Less of me and more of him. And I'm going to tell you, turning your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. And we're going to continue in this. <clears throat> the righteousness of God. You're going to receive a crown of righteousness. When you're there, say amen. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his glorious appearing. I ask you today, are you longing for his appearing? I love getting my kids together and my grandson now. And I'll say, hey, let's go, let's go stand out and we're going to look at the Easter sky. Papa's lost his rock. He's off his rocker again. 
But we don't take time to think about that the eastern sky is about to be split. And he's going to come rapture his people away. Think about that for a minute. There's a great glorious appearing that's going to take place. That's our blessed hope. And you and I are going to get raptured out of here. Isn't that amazing? Now, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a escape a theologist guy. I, I, I'm not big on let me get out of here because I don't want to confront and, and handle my issues. Okay, I, that's not how I roll. I'll handle it. I'm going to take care of my stuff. But I'm going to occupy till he comes. But this is, my, this is my thing. We have, in the church, we have dumbed down some things. And I don't want us to dumb down the appearing and, 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 and when Jesus, his return. He's coming. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's coming. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's coming. Okay. He's coming. Hallelujah. Now, this crown of righteousness is not meant. To bestow righteousness upon us. That has already been done. Instead it is a crown recognizing. That we have run the race. That we have kept the faith. That we have lived a righteous life. In the dedication to our Lord. It is a reward that God gives to all. Who have pledged their lives to his son. Amen. Number two. You're going to receive a crown of glory. A crown of glory. What do you think about when you hear the word glory? You know, glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory. You know, those are some of the things I think about when I think about glory. There's a word for glory, and it's a Hebrew word called kabod. And that word means heavy. It means it's weighty. It's got some substance to it. It's, you know, uh, you, you guys will know what I'm talking about. When you go to chop down an elm tree, it cuts like butter. You go chop down an oak tree, it's like you got to sharpen your axe quite a few times. Huh? We're talking about oaks. We're talking about glory. It's heavy. It's weighty. It's got some substance to it. See, when the chief shepherd appears in first chapter of Peter, uh, Peter, first Peter chapter five, verse four, it says when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of glory that will never fade away. It's never going to fade. This is very interesting for Peter because he witnessed the glory of the Lord firsthand in the mountain of transfiguration. Peter and his companions in Luke chapter 9 verse 32, they were very sleepy. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. Peter had seen God's glory in the person of Jesus. But he also knew that there was a glory to come. There's a glory to come. In Matthew chapter 19 verse 28 It says, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, that at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, and while that promise is is, is of of a throne was made to those apostles, The promise of a crown of glory appears to have a much wider application. Now listen to what I have to say here. 
It would appear that Peter is saying that God is promising you and I a crown that represents himself. Come on, somebody. In other words, at the same level, at some level, God is going to share his glory with his children. What a wonderful day that's going to be when you and I begin to understand and bask in the glory of Almighty God. Isn't that good? A crown of glory. So you're going to get a crown of righteousness, a crown of glory. And here's the here's here's great one. I love this one. A crown of life. Crown of life. You're going to get a crown of life. Man, what am I going to do with all these crowns? I don't know, but it's going to be good. Whatever, whatever we do with them. Come here, let me show you my stash. My stash of crowns. A crown of life. Now listen to this story. Joey, Lee, babe, would you hand me that napkin right there? Thank you. I'm preaching so hard I got cotton mouth already. I love it. Thank you. Joey Lee was in a race of his life. It was a 150-mile marathon death sables across the Moroccan Sahara Desert. 150 miles across a desert. Can you believe this kind of race? On day four, Lee was still running. Through, though other runners had already been airlifted out of... Uh, out of the desert after surrendering to the heat or to physical exhaustion, about 80 miles into the race, the air pockets on the soles of Lee's running shoes blew out because of the heat of the sand. All right? Lee was left with almost nothing to protect the soles of his feet as he ran over the sand and jagged rocks. Although he carried a backpack for provisions, he did not think to put an extra pair of shoes in his backpack. So his feet were blistered, his body exhausted from 100 plus degree temperatures. His eyes burned because of the the sand and sweat. Facing another 30 miles to run that day and 40 miles over the next three days, Lee refused to quit. He refused it. The only sight ahead of him was the miles of desert and the massive dunes he would have to overcome. But Lee pressed on. Three days later, Lee finished the race in the middle of the pack of 600 runners. Joey Lee was running for a reason. His young wife, Allison, had died almost a year and a half earlier after a long battle with cancer. Lee was running in memory of his wife to raise money for the American Cancer Society. Ignoring the mental and physical obstacles he faced, he finished the race. Afterward, when he was asked what kept him going, he simply replied, I just thought about Allison a lot. This is nothing compared to what she went through. Many can relate to Joey Lee's story in the way that he, he, he lived in the way that he pursued and way he went through okay many can relate to his story in the way you have lived your Christian life 
You have been, you've had family who have opposed you. You've had family and circumstances that come against you that you didn't really want. And people spoke against you and behind your back. But you stayed the course. You kept going. You kept believing God. You kept trusting God. And, and because you stayed the course, you bore the name Jesus' son and daughter on your back. Now, every one of you, I believe you've had an opportunity to, to deny Christ. But you've also had an opportunity to say, yes, he's my savior. No matter what it looks like, no matter what people have done, no matter what people have said, you've stayed the course. There's a great reward for you. And that reward is the crown of life. I'll never forget in high school, I'm sitting here thinking about in high school. I played football for Plainview. I grew up right down the street here. And they called me preacher man. I was preacher man. You know what I was doing? I was always praying for guys. I was always, you know, what, what do you want me to do? No, we ain't going to drink alcohol. We ain't, if you're going to do that, drop me off by the house. I ain't, ain't going to that party. I ain't going to do that. Just not. So I, I inherited the name Preacher Man. Some of the guys mocked me. But you know what? There's a crown coming to me. Because I stood up when everybody else was mocking me. And this crown is called the crown of life. The crown of life. James chapter 1 verse 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Revelations chapter 2 verse 10 says, Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you. And you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death. And I will give you the crown of life. Now, God's not asking you to die for him. He's asking you to live for him. God's not asking you to die for him. He's asking you to live for him. You can live. You can declare the works of God. You can declare how good he's been to you. You can stay strong against the possible odds. You can, when the pressure mounts, you stand up in who you know you are in Christ. Amen. And when you do that, the Bible says he has a crown for you. And that's the crown of life. Come on, somebody. Come on. Isn't that great? The last crown. The crown of permanence. A crown of permanence. A crown of permanence. I've discovered, as many of you have, that there's nothing permanent in this life. Everything's temporal. Everything's subject to change. How many of y'all can agree with, with me on that? There comes a time when that shiny new car wears out, and I hate it when that happens. There comes a time when that food that you loved gets spoiled. 
but man, it's still in the refrigerator. There's, okay, and you ladies can attest to this because I'm still wearing my hairdo from, you know, five, six years. But there's a time when hairdos go out too. Now, I have to tell you a funny story. My grandson, he, he likes to play with his hair. And we said, Easton, we're, we're going we're gonna to get your hair cut. He said, well, I want my hair cut like Pastor Rusty's. I said, well, what kind of hair, what kind of haircut is that? He says, what did he say? Gone. I said, what'd you say? He said, gone. I was like, I like that hairdo. I'm trying to cover all mine up. But there is a day when you're going to, when things will not fade away. There's going to be a day when we go to this place called heaven that the things that you love will remain. How many of you know that we can't take stuff with us when we get to heaven? Right? But we get to take our loved ones. And we get to take those that we love around us with us. If we share the gospel of Christ to them. Crown of permanence. This crown that God is going to give us. Is a crown that he promises will last forever and ever. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 25. It says everyone who competes in the games. Goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. See, what Paul was doing, he was writing to the church of Corinth. The, uh, the, the, uh, the Isthmian Games. The Isthmian Games. And, and it, was, it was right below the Olympics, right? And, and he was talking to these guys, you've been training and all you're going to get is this little wreath crown at the end of your, you know, your, your race or whatever competition. All you're going to get is this wreath crown. That crown is going to fade away. But Paul was trying to get them to see there's a crown that's coming that's never, ever going to fade away. Paul promises the Corinthians and us that the crown that God wants to give us will never fade away. It will never become insignificant. For the crown that God offers you and I is eternal, is permanent, and will never fade away. For our home is eternal, one built by God himself for his people to dwell together forever. You know, Pastor Rusty said a while ago when he got up, can you imagine what heaven's going to be like? The sea of people. And that's you and I. And Jesus comes out. I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know what he's going to say. But I can just imagine we're all going to throw our crowns at his feet. And say, thank you for saving me. Thank you for going to the cross. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Today, wherever you're at on your journey, 
Stay the course. Stay focused. Don't give up. Don't grow weary in doing well. Mr. Emmons, he was an Olympic athlete in 2004. Now, let me, t- let me tell you the story. When I heard the story, I just like, oh, my gosh. In 2004, in the, those Olympics, he's a rifleman. He's a marksman. And he's got to take the, the very last shot. And all he has to do is hit the target, and he's winning gold. He's winning gold just for marking his, marking his shot and breaking the bullet to hit the target. That's all he's got to do. He's got to hit just somewhere at the target, and he's going to win gold. But what happens as he breaks his shot, the target doesn't register his bullet. And the judges all gather and they run over to the target and they gave him a zero. What happened? When he lined his sights up, he crossed barriers and lined up to the wrong target. He got eighth place. What you focus on will become your destination. What you focus on will become your destination. Today, I want to encourage you to focus on heaven. C.S. Lewis said it. Would you say it for me again? Is heaven? If, if, okay. He said, when, he said when you aim at heaven, you get the earth thrown in. If you aim at earth, you get neither. You aim at heaven, you get the earth thrown in. You aim at earth. You get neither. That's a powerful quote. What are you aiming at? We've got four rewards waiting for us. This is subject to change. This is temporal. Don't allow this to become your focus. Make heaven your focus. Wherever it's at in your life that you need to make some adjustments, go ahead and make those. Young person, make those. Just make those little tiny adjustments. God's not asking for big movements. Maybe 1%. I need to adjust my thinking. Maybe 1%. I need to adjust how I see. Maybe 1% every day I'm going to adjust how I speak. Your destination is heaven. Let's make it that. Father, today, so good (laughs) to be in your home, to be in your house, to be amongst the body of believers. That's what we are. We're believers. This is what we do. Father, today I pray that wherever we're at, whether we need to get saved, whether we need to ask for for you to forgive us, Lord, right now, right in our very seat. We're going to take a minute here. 
we're going to ask you to judge us and examine us. And if I'm not doing what I need to do, Father, I just pray that you just convict me. Change me. My aim is heaven. My aim is you. If that's not been my focus, forgive me, Lord. Jesus, come into my heart. Cleanse me from all sin. Right now. Now, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you were here in this house today, and you just recommitted your life to Christ, would you just slip your hand up and let me know? Pastor, that was me. Nobody's looking. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Today after service, tell someone of your decision today. Tell someone. Let someone know, hey, I recommitted my life to Christ. Just let them know. We're here to help you. Amen. Amen. Church, there are about five people that recommitted their lives to the Lord. Can we give, can we give God praise? Come on, church. Stand on your feet. Stand to your feet one more time. You know, the Bible says that all of heaven rejoices. Now, I don't know what rejoice means to you, but where I come from, rejoice means to jump up, spin around. Now, I'm not asking you to do that. But there were five people. Come on. Father, we love you. We thank you. We honor you. We magnify you. And we thank you for what you're doing. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.